0: As you continue to stand, we look at God's Word in the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at chapter 16, verses 1 through 18. And I've changed the text just a little bit. 1 through 18, then verse 21, and then 24 through 26. Here's the reading of God's Word. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, I tell, and I call you Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In the verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. And be killed and on the third day to be raised. And then verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the world and forfeits his soul? Our blessed God and Father, we do thank you for your kindness to us this morning as you've given us your word. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless it and use it in our lives to shape us and help us to become the men and women whom you would have us be. Thank you, Father, that your word has been the foundation of this church from the very beginning, and that you use it, Father, to continue to direct us and lead us. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. What do we know about God's word? the may fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen. Please be seated. I love this text in Matthew 16 because I find it very, very contemporary. Today, just as 2,000 years ago, Christ penetrates through the cultural confusion and personally asks each of us, who do you say that I am? The future of every particular church throughout the world and His church as a whole rises and falls on that answer. 20 years ago, Redeemer was founded on the claim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The very first sermon I ever preached to a group of men and women and children on an early Easter morning a sunrise service on a park across from McKinney High School where it had rained all through the night before. That first sermon was from Job 25. It said, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will make his stand upon the earth. This morning, today, this weekend, we celebrate what God has done in those 20 years. But not do we just celebrate, but we also look forward to what God will do in his faithfulness in and through this congregation in the years to come. I have to admit, I am very humbled to be asked to be here this morning to preach to you. And I want to thank Bryant, and the session for asking me and inviting me to come and spend this time. For me, it is a very, very special privilege, and I hold it very close to my heart. Cindy and I are very grateful for the hospitality that you've shown in welcoming, welcoming, welcoming us back last night and again this morning. And as we return to McKinney, it brings back so many memories for us. Although only 20 years have passed, McKinney is a dramatically different place than it was 20 years ago. Redeemer began with a phone call while Cindy and I and our children were on uh, vacation in Georgia. Skip Ryan, who was a pastor of Park City's Presbyterian Church at the time, called me and said, I've got a question for you that will make or ruin your vacation. (laughs) He asked if we would consider the idea of planting a church in McKinney, Texas. He was going to meet with the M&A committee Of the North Texas Presbytery, and he wanted to put my name forth for that. Cindy and I prayed about it, and we decided that that might be something fun for us to do. I tend to be very entrepreneurial, love to take risks. And this was one that was God had put before us and gave us a beautiful opportunity to do that. In October of that year, PCPC, the session there had voted to change my job description. And Cindy and I started to make plans to move to McKinney. We actually we drove by the house that we built here last night and saw it. And it was amazing to see what an oak tree does in 20 years, how big it grows and, and those things. As we started, we started making our plans to McKinney, we also started reaching out to people. And we were often asked, why plant a church in McKinney? You have to understand, I'm a real estate guy. And most, I used to tell our congregation all the time when I was here, I said, the biggest problem you have is your your pastor is a real estate developer. And be able to look at the landscape, people asked, why should should we build a church in McKinney? And I said, because it's in the way. I said, the growth is coming, and we need to get ahead of that growth in order that God would be able to plant a reformed presence in Collin County. We reached out to many people. I remember having uh, lunch with Buck and Linda Clark and uh, having a conversation with them. They had just been not too long to an R.C. Sproul conference before that and and were coming into the Reformed faith in a new way, and they were interested in what we were doing here. Many other families uh, came with us. Ten families from Park Cities responded to a call to say, would you go help Bill plant and start this new church? Bob and Kelly Burgess were part of that uh, that group that came, and so were uh, J.R. and Margaret Ingram. You remember J.R. and Margaret? What a special couple they were! They were in their 70s when they responded to the call to come to McKinney and plant a new church. By March, the Lord had provided the brave, a few brave new families, and had provided enough financing for us to move forward. And on that cold, wet Easter morning, across from McKinney High School, we had our very first worship service. Looking forward to a day when we would gather a group to be able to fully. Worship together as Redeemer Presbyterian Church. During the summer of 1996, we had a direct mail campaign. We sent out three weeks in a row, little little pamphlets to people talking about what was coming in, in McKinney. And then we went to a real estate office, not too far from here, and we sat there, a group of us, and made calls to every person who lived in McKinney, in the northern part of Allen, in the eastern part of Frisco. Richard and Laura left. Responded to that call and are here with us again this morning coming back from Kansas And it was so special to to have them I don't know how many other responded to that call, but we also know that Rick and Claudia Geyer Who were members of our church in those early days? Rick came and because he was actually looking for a house and walked into the real estate office and saw us making the calls (laughs) and said I want to be a part of that group in that the beauty of that story is that Claudia Geyer came to faith in our church see how the Lord does, uses small things and small instruments of His grace to be able to bring us together. I call that little telephone exchange smiling and dialing because we get on the phone and we call and we'd reach out and it reminds me of what Howard has always told me, to, to keep smiling over the years and to do that. So on September 16, 1996, we had our very first worship service in the Holiday Inn. And the Lord has always been very, very gracious to us. By his grace alone, Redeemer began to grow. Many families to, uh, came to join with us. The Van Pelts, Howard and Marilyn, Tim and Rowena Yates, Rowena's beautiful mother, uh, came. Diane Lopez came to be with us as well. Uh, Bill and Connie Caldwell joined us as well as we moved through those days. And as we moved, I used to tell the congregation all the time that if you were counting on us building this church through my gifts, we might as well all go home. Because I'm not that gifted. And I really need, we really needed the power of the Spirit to come alongside and to equip us for this work. Those early days were quite an experience. The Holiday Inn uh, allowed us to source some of the office furniture, I mean some of the, the partitions we had. These were heavy partitions, and, and they, we actually got them at a, from an office space, and, and they took the labor of love to put these up to build a nursery in part of the of the ballroom at the Holiday Inn to be able to help us do that. Every Sunday morning, many faithful men like Curtis Blackburn and Tim Yates, Bob Burgess came in to, to erect that nursery for us and help us to do that. One Sunday, we even had a very unique experience. That week, the Holiday Inn actually had a boxing tournament in the... Uh, in the middle of the uh, ballroom, and so we had to set our chairs up and around a boxing ring in the middle of, the, the middle of that. To... So it's an experience, those early days. We, we, went through, we, we had a lot of fun uh, going through those. Uh, Cindy, my beautiful wife, and I would be reticent to not to say what a great uh, uh, love that she has shared with me and sharing through this experience. You have to understand, I'm not that organized. Cindy's acutely organized. <laughs> And so everything that needed some organization and those kind of things actually fell on her plate. And she was also teaching school full-time and doing all those different things. And, and I would say we would not be here today without her, the giftedness that she has given to us and the way she has loved me through that. She says she doesn't remember a night, a Saturday night when we'd go on a date or to go out and do something we didn't run by Kinko's to pick up the bulletins for the next morning. It was fun days, fun days for us to do that. Also, I'd love to see the choir here this morning and the instruments and all the music. Because what you in those early days, I knew very, very little, in fact, I don't know much today about music. And so our congregation got to sing the same songs over and over (laughs) and over. Uh, Particularly Rock of Ages, the New City Fellowship tune was one of of my favorites, so it became one of our congregation's favorites to to be able to do that. And then we ordained our first session. Uh, Buck Clark... Bruce Breeding, Jim Lopez, Scott Creasy, Mark Rood. What a great group of men. One night, we were going to a session meeting over at Bruce Breeding's house, and I was driving down a really a dark street, and it came to a four-way stop, and I made one of those very Texas kind of roll-throughs the stop sign, and do that. The whole sky lit up. There was a policeman sitting over here on the side, and everything was there. Those blue and red lights were going everywhere, and he pulled me over and pulled me up. I was never so glad to see a member of my congregation who was a Plano policeman who came in to, uh, and he didn't have a heart to, to give a ticket to his, his pastor. Early on, we received a significant gift that allowed us to make the purchase of the property over in Custer Road. We purchased 12 acres, we actually purchased 35, but we had another sister group to take 23 for us to be able to do this and leave us with that piece of property. And my vision was, as a real estate guy, is that I wanted to, to have a church that was close to the corner of Frisco, McKinney, Plano, and Allen. And if you go to Custer and 121, all of those four cities come together. But I also wanted us to get ahead of the curve in such a way that we didn't have to compete against the McDonald's to buy the site in that. So we got way ahead of the curve on that. And then through Howard's leadership and, and everything else, we are able to trade that piece of property for the society that we have today. God has been so faithful to Redeemer. He's been faithful in so many different ways, but I think one of the gracious gifts that he has given to this church is the gift of Bryant McGee. Because Bryant has all the gifts that I never had. I've told Bryant this on several occasions. I'm a starter, but I'm not a sustainer. And, but he has all those gifts, and he has... The Lord has used him and his giftedness to to bring this congregation to where it is today. So I'm very grateful, Brian, for your service and the way that you have served the Lord so well in these many years. God has continued to grow Redeemer through Brian's humble and faithful exercise of his gifts. And his leadership and care for Redeemer are particular manifestations, God's leadership and care of God's covenant faithfulness and his love for his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. The church of Jesus Christ is founded on the faithfulness and covenantal love of God the Father. It is also established through the finished work of God the Son and is sustained by the power of God the Holy Spirit. Redeemer has been founded upon the faithful and covenantal love of God the Father. Our passage says that it was God the Father who revealed to Peter the true identity of Jesus, that he was both the Christ and also the Son of the living God. This revelation is a manifestation of God's covenant faithfulness. Christ, the title that was given to Jesus, is a Greek word for the same word for Messiah. It means the anointed one. The Messiah was a long-promised one for the people of God. The Messiah was the one who would represent the three anointed offices of the nation of Israel, prophet, priest, and king. The prophet who would represent God to the people, the people who would represent the priest who would represent the people to God and the king who would rule in God's stead. The coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Christ, was a long-awaited promise of God. It's a promise of God to his people. And the promise goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where God established the covenant of grace and the promised deliverance of a people through the seed of the woman. The revealing of Jesus as the Christ the Messiah was a demonstration of God's faithfulness to His long-standing covenant promises. And those covenant promises were founded in the covenant of grace which God established with His people. It's a covenant of love that God has. I think that one of the storylines of the Bible is that it is a, it is a love story. One of the mel- melodic lines of the Bible could be that the Bible is a relentless pursuit of the Father for a bride for His Son. Throughout the Old Testament, God has made consistent promises to His people. And I'm always amazed when I, when I see how God designs and puts together a worship service because Brian didn't know what I was going to say, but all those, a lot of those themes have found their way into the things that we have recited already this morning. Throughout the Old Testament, God has made those promises to His people. He said... I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will be with you. These are the promises of the covenant of grace. They're very much like wedding vows, where a couple stands before a congregation and they say, I am yours, and you are mine, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. In our passage this morning, it's very much like God was introducing the bride to the groom. It's a very beautiful ceremony to see what's taking place. The revelation of Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Christ, shows the loving kindness of God the Father. Think about the love of God and think about these passages. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, has made us alive together with Christ. And then finally, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The church, the bride of Christ, is founded on the faithfulness and covenantal love of God the Father. And we celebrate Today, what we celebrate today is God's faithfulness and love to this particular expression of His church. How has God demonstrated His faithfulness to you as you reflect upon that? How has God demonstrated His faithfulness to you throughout your lives? The Old Testament people of God, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they were sheepherders. And as they would, they would chase their sheep around, God would intervene in their lives and they would celebrate that intervention of God in their lives by building a stack of stones in Ebenezer. They would leave and go chase their sheep around and they would eventually come back to that point. And that stack of stones would still be there and it would be a reminder of what God has done for them and how God has, has been faithful to them. How has God been faithful to you? What are your Ebenezer's? What are the ways in which God has demonstrated his loving kindness in your your life? How has he shown that you are the object of his eternal love? Redeemer has been established also through the finished work of the Son. In our passage, it is not only the identity of Jesus that's revealed, but also his mission. Jesus said, the scriptures tell us, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Revelation 21 says that we are a bride adorned for her husband. But how is that bride to be adorned? The Scriptures clearly demonstrate that it is only through the finished work of God the Son that any of us has any hope of standing in the presence of a holy and righteous God. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians tell us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins and subject to the wrath of God. And so how, is we, how can we as sinners stand in the presence of a holy God? But it is God, the love of God, that has provided for us the means of reconciliation. Romans 5 tells us that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by faith, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have reconciliation. It is only through the finished work of Jesus Christ that we have any hope of being reconciled to a God of beauty, a God of grace, a God of love, a God of power, a holy and a righteous God. Once we were enemies, subject to God's wrath, but now we have been saved, justified, reconciled through God the Son, through the finished work of Christ. Christ died once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. And now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are able to gather together this morning in the presence of a holy God because Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation. Jesus says, It is finished, and there is nothing we can add. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked, Come to Thee for dress, helpless, look to Thee for grace. In my role at Park Cities over the last several years, I've ministered to many, many young families. And one of the opportunities I get to do is I get to do a lot of baptisms, and I've got to see a couple of the, of the children that I baptized here many years ago today. But I also do a lot of weddings, and one of my favorite weddings is when I stood right down here at the end of the aisle, and when the We've had to recognize that the pastor, we have the best seat in the house at a wedding. We're standing there, we're waiting for the doors to part in the back. And as the doors part in the back, this bride, a small little bitty blonde girl, stepped into that into that doorway with her father. And there was a contemporary piece of music, I don't even know what it was, but I was so transfixed as I looked at the bride in that time, because she was coming down the aisle, singing, her eyes closed on the hand of her father, singing praises to her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as she came down the aisle. To me, that's the beauty in the picture of what the gospel is all about, is that we are the bride of Christ. This church is the bride of Christ, and He has been presented to the groom, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to see. And What it would be like for us to enter into His presence, walking into His presence, singing the praises of God? So we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When God looks upon us, He finds us adorned in His righteousness. This morning we celebrate what Redeemer has been grounded in and through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And finally we celebrate this morning because Redeemer continues to be sustained by the power of the Spirit. Francis Schaeffer once asked the question, how should we then live? If God loves us and Christ has redeemed us, how should we then live? And our passage offers us an answer. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life shall lose it, and whoever will loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And what shall a man give in return for his soul? Our calling is to follow Jesus. We are called to be His witnesses. We are called to pray, proclaim the excellencies of the one who brought us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. But there are two distractions in the world that, that impede and our, our, our calling. The allure of the world and the pain of suffering. We recognize that life is hard. We also recognize that temptations are real. But God did not leave us as orphans. He sent us His Spirit. He gave us His Spirit in order that we might be equipped and empowered to follow Christ more closely. How should we then live? Consider two parallel passages in Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, Paul prays, that we might know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. God says, we wants us to know what is a power that God raised Christ from the dead. And he says, that power is available to you. He says that in Ephesians 2, uh, 2 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, he made us alive together and raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places, for by grace we've been saved. By the Spirit we have access to the same power which God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 8 tells us that the Spirit of him... Who raised Jesus from the dead is, dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Jesus has sent His Spirit in order that His Spirit may dwell within us. And then Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have obtained an access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our sufferings produce endurance, and endurance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is the one who sustains our hope in the midst of our suffering. He is the one who gives us the power to to look away from the the trinkets and the distractions of our world, how should we then live as those desperately dependent upon the grace and power of God through the Spirit? When we first started this church, I would spend time during the day driving through neighborhoods in McKinney, driving through streets that had just been poured and and lots that had been just formed. No houses even on those. And I would pray for the inhabitants of those houses that the God would find a way to use Redeemer Presbyterian Church in the lives of men and women and boys and girls who might live in a house that was not even built. Maybe you live in a house on one of those lots for which I prayed. If you did, then you are a, you are a specific answer to my prayer what God would do in and through this church 20 years ago. Throughout these 20 years, Redeemer has grown upon a faithful dependence upon the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Spirit, which has sustained Redeemer Presbyterian Church and will propel us as we move into the future. We are gathered this morning to celebrate this church's 20th anniversary. We recognize the Redeemer as a particular manifestation of Christ's church. It is His bride. And we look forward to what God has planned for Redeemer in the coming years. We also recognize that the world is changing rapidly around us. And these changes give us pause. Yet we are confident in this, that Jesus Christ will continue to build His church. As long as the men and women of Redeemer continue to trust in the faithfulness of God and His covenantal love. As long as men like Brian continue to preach Christ and Him crucified. As long as believers continue to take up their crosses and follow Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ will continue to build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And there is a day that we look forward to in the future where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Our blessed God and Father, we do come and we give You thanks for what You have done in this church that you, Father, have answered the prayers of many, that you have brought men and women from all different parts of the country to this place and this time to be members of this church. We thank you, Father, for those initial few brave families, Father, who came and started the church. We thank you for those who followed. We thank you for the elders and the deacons who have loved this church well. And we thank you, Father, for Bryant and his faithful leadership, the way that you have gifted him and used him for your glory. We do pray, Father, that you would continue to bless this church by the power of your Spirit through the finished work of your Son. And we do this in His name. Amen.